Hi everyone, it's Roger here from What's On at Disney Plus, and we're here with the What's On Disney Plus podcast. And this week we're joined by Josh, and we're going to be discussing kind of some of our highlights, disappointments of 2022 in terms of Disney Plus. Um, but before we do any of that, quick bit of housekeeping: if you haven't already done so, make sure you check us out over at What's On Disney Favorite, like, all the rest of it. You can find us on all the different social medias as well: Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc. So let's jump into it. So we're recording this, just so you guys know, just prior to Christmas. So, um, and to Christmas decorations, I'll be taking them down this weekend anyway. But um, yeah, let's jump into like 2022. So actually, let's start off with, let's start off with, um, we're going to go through some good things and some bad things and talk about things. So what's kind of been like one of the of the highlights for you from like 2022 on Disney Plus? Well, I, I, we were talking a little bit about surprises, of course, mm. of, of the year and what maybe over, uh, you know, delivered in terms of what we were thinking. And for me, of course, the biggest surprise, which is not really directly related to Disney Plus, is that Bob Iger is back as, as CEO. <laughs> We've got such a wild thing, and we're going to be talking about it, I think, for a long time uh, for the next couple of years with him taking back over the company. But, um, you know, because I, I was actually um, out with family in Florida when I, the announcement came through, we were going to go to Disney World the next day. And my wife, her family, a lot of them have actually been cast members. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, we're sitting there at like nine o'clock at night on a Sunday. And I'm like, you guys won't believe this. <laughs> the word is it has come through that Bob Iger has become the CEO again. Uh, so it was wild. It, it, and uh, I've you know seen some of your analysis of it. And yeah. I think that as it comes to Disney Plus, the truth is that, you know, some of the best acquired titles that have come into the service, you know, Beatles Get Back and Hamilton uh, clouds, the right stuff, all of those have Iger's fingerprints all over them, you know? And so yeah. it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I think even though they are in a cost cutting mode moving forward, and I think that they're, they're going to have to make, make profitability obviously on the service. And so we understand that, but I think he's ultimately a creative person when he sees an opportunity, he's going to probably put the investment in it. So I, I'm excited about where that might go, but, um, yeah. I, was just say, I was just going to say on Bob, I remember, I, I woke up in the morning because obviously the time difference woke up and my phone had gone nuts because obviously it was it was silent and upside down so I had so I woke up you know one eye oh and like literally I shot out of bed straight in on the computers like whatever it's like for me it's that kind of feeling now of I feel like with Iger is there's a little bit of the idea of like, oh, he kind of was a little bit of keeping Disney Plus at the babysitting service, which I was a little bit like, oh, I hope we don't too much down that line anymore. But there was the other side as well of like, the Chapek cuts are really starting to slice into Disney Plus now. And mm -hmm. I'm like, hmm, I think actually, yeah, you can, you, you're seeing those, the, the Chapek era starting to hit. Disney. I think for a while we, it was quite, but now like, there's a lot of stuff that was happening and you're going, yeah, that's got JPEG's fingers all over it. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it um, you know, because we look, look at the last year, I think for me, the big bucket of, I think, something that it's over-delivered and done great as a surprise is, uh, is Andor and the entire Star Wars franchise. And I think we can thank Bob Iger in, in a big way for that because that show was a lot of investment. It was not just done, uh, you know, in the volume in front of you know the screens and and i think the work that they've done there too for a lot of those shows are really good but this show particularly if people have not been watching it and have not checked it out yet you know which apparently the ratings tell us a lot of people yeah. have not uh they need to you know i mean this is this is long form storytelling um you know it's really from an outside voice uh writer producer tony gilroy coming in uh, who is responsible for all the jason Bourne movies 
um, coming in and bringing that kind of mentality to it that is very, I think, character driven, focusing on motivations, you know, told from a variety of points of view. You know, I mean, we just we get to see the the rise of the empire from a different perspective than we've, we've seen, certainly in the films, but even in the animated shows where I, I've appreciated Clone Wars and, you know, Bad Batch and how they've dealt with those themes. This builds on that in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, I, I, I saw one tweet that was saying, you know, the Easter egg I really enjoyed was the fact that the dialogue is really, really good. You know, I mean, it's it's not a show about Easter eggs. It's a show about these characters that they introduce and giving you, you know, their their motivations and whether they're mechanics or whether they're, you know, just an average guy on the street. Um, this is how the Empire has affected them. So I would encourage people to check out Andor. I, it, it takes a little bit to get into it, but uh, they really should uh, not miss this. It's not a Skywalker centric series. Um you know, which is, is something different for us. Uh, and, and overall, I just think Star Wars is, is firing on all cylinders. I mean, I really loved yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi as well. I thought it was great to see, uh, you know, um, uh, Ewan McGregor back, of course, Hayden Christensen. Um, you know, that was, it was, there was a lot of thought put into that show. Um, and, and now looking forward to the Bad Batch and the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, all those in 2023. Uh, it's, it's the franchise that, you know, in a sense they started with, with Mandalorian. And right out the gate, you know, started, gave us something that was huge, had a huge amount of buzz and excitement behind it. And, you know, Star Wars is, yeah. has really sustained the service in a lot of ways. So I feel like for me, I feel like for me, like Obi-Wan Kenobi was a little bit like it could have done with a, essentially two episodes less. It might have, it could have done with a bit of crushing down a little bit because I enjoyed it. But it, the, it, the fact that it kind of went into a second, it kind of repeated the same story twice because of how they did it. Andor, I love, I love Andor. The I love the Prison Break episodes; those are my mm. favorite. The only thing is, and it's this kind of weird thing of it, like going, looking at like what's happened with season one. I do feel like they need a few little Easter eggs or a few major like cameos to pull to kind of satisfy that whole side of the audience because there's a whole load of people just haven't watched it. Because they just have something weird about Android, just it didn't connect with people in the same way. And most of us would say it's a better show, <laughs> it's a much better show, but it just yeah. didn't connect in the same way because Mando had kind of got everyone into this like, um, you know, cameo of the week kind of like, and lots of connections. And I feel like maybe if they did one or two in that, you know, if you're doing it in 12 episodes, you can have one or two little ones, it might have helped. Peak interest. It's going to be an odd one. It's. It's. I loved it. I thought Andor was great, but I. It. It. It just seemed to just lack. I don't know if it's again like the the advertising. People couldn't connect to it the same way. But yeah, it was. It was an amazing series. Definitely a highlight of the year. There was a miss there. I think also with D twenty three. I don't know why they didn't take put those first three episodes out at D twenty three and just hype the heck out of it. You know, and and it was like you got you've you've got the most devoted you know Disney fans in the entire world gathered in one place. Why would you not do a premiere there? So there were some misses on marketing. I feel like Iger would have recognized that, you know, yeah. and said, "Oh, this is something we can do and make." And even because obviously, what we know what happened was is that House of the Dragon and Lord of the Rings those were the two big shows at the same time, and also She Hulk was also going. Yeah, and so it it just got crowded out. It got lost yeah. in the noise. And so I, I hope people don't miss, um, you know, where uh, the the quality of that show. And I, I think moving forward, though, it'll do great. Uh, you know, I I think the time jump aspect of it, and I'm sure there'll be some more Easter eggs and things that they'll they'll put in for the fans. So um, I have no doubt it'll be great. I am hoping actually that in with Ahsoka that they might actually bump it back to 2024. I'm hoping that we just have like Mando season three 
and maybe skeleton crew and that and obviously we've got the bad batch I, I kind of feel like three series a year is it's borderline is it too much and yeah. um you know we went for years you know we went for a decade where we went from ewok movie to phantom menace you know <laughs> we've lived through you know i think we can survive a few months <laughs> yeah I, I don't i don't i doubt that skeleton crew is going to come next year uh, maybe you're hearing different things but I, I i think that ahsoka though has been filmed um yeah. you know so i think it'll be bad batch mandalorian season two and ahsoka will probably be the star wars content yeah. that we're going to get and i'm totally great with that yeah. so i i yeah. have uh yeah, utmost yeah. Confidence I, I, I i could be yeah i could flip skeleton crew and ahsoka that on there so let's talk about um let's talk about the other side of... a disappointment sure well also marvel let's talk about you know, the marvel <laughs> side of things and that you can and i know you like this for you it's kind of slid into your disappointments doesn't it it did yeah very much so i i think the the new titles have been a disappointment for me I just and and maybe I'm a little bit outside the mainstream of, of some of this because I know that for instance Doctor Strange two I think won a People's Choice Award yeah and I'm just like I did not connect with that film I mean it was like the whole theme of it was like you know mother as monster in a sense um, as you know Scarlet Witch and and just the way that they reframed that character I just did not connect with it and it to me like it was so busy so loud um, just not a film that I really enjoyed and I would say the same thing about Eternals. Um, and, and Thor 4, uh, just not up my alley. I, I know that these still made money and that there were people out there who loved them, but it, yeah. it just wasn't exactly... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I really enjoyed the movies. Um, mm. I, I actually really enjoyed Eternals. I thought that was a really... I've seen it a few times now because I love the fact that being something different, if it if, felt if fresh. I love the idea of new character. I think they could have done with a few less of them. You could have done with like half as many Eternals to a I enjoyed that one. I loved Fall Love and Thunder. I know a lot of people hate the, the comedy aspect to it. I loved the whole characters. I actually would put, like, for me, like, Black Panther Wakanda Forever was the one out of all of them. It was the, my least favorite hmm. out of all of them. Um, I And Doctor Strange, I thought it was fun. I, I It was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it. But I I think I tend to like more the, the lighter side, and I felt like Wakanda Forever was a little bit... Um, was not as fun. It wasn't a fun movie. Yeah, I have to. I have to admit, I've not seen it yet. I really want to. We, my wife and I have got some tickets, so we're we're going to be seeing it very soon here. But uh, yeah, it's. I think that overall, it you know this whole phase four just hasn't been as strong. Um, and even uh, and when we turn to the TV shows, and I will give a positive one is is Miss Marvel. To me, Miss Marvel was absolutely the exception and one that I loved and thought was a real fresh spin on the coming of age super hero kind of origin story. And uh, particularly because I think Iman Vellani, the actress is okay. just such a perfect match for the character that she plays. Obviously, you know, Miss Marvel is a character that loves the Marvel universe and knows the heroes. And then she becomes one herself. That's, that's Iman Vellani, uh, you know, and so she's yeah. been so great at interviews and, and it's a really fun story. Well told. I think honestly, if it hadn't just gotten crowded out, you know, by some of the other, how much was going on in summer. And even, even honestly, in the shadow of um, Spider-Man No Way Home, which it's another similar high school, you know, kind of story. Um, but there's just a lot of, of depth to that one in the sense yeah. of there's some religious themes there. There are some interesting history, you know, of the stuff between Pakistan and India that they were delving into. Yeah. Really great cast. So I think if folks haven't seen that, they really should check out Miss Miss Marvel. Um, yeah, I, I, I was, it was a bit of an odd one for me. I, I, there was whole aspects to it. I love the first few episodes. I love the, the end of it. 
I just felt the middle bit of it was a bit like it was unnecessary and a bit fluffy. Um, had that been a movie, we would have like lost a lot of that. Um, yeah, it was a kind of a bit of an odd one of like it lost me in the middle of it being like oh, we're really in like plodding territory. It's a shame because I this it's the one it was probably the one I was looking forward to a lot. Um, I enjoyed it. I would love to see a second season. Like, looking forward to watching the Marvels. It's not like I didn't. It's not like oh I didn't like it. I did like it, but there was there. I had a little. I love you know the whole aspect with a family and it just feeling fresh and different. I love that whole thing, but it just didn't quite hit the same for me. Like Moon Knight was a, such a better. T I enjoyed Moon Knight the most out of all mm -hmm. of them. And to me, like I started that and just I don't know some of the supernatural elements I wasn't connecting with the grittiness of it. Like I totally connect with Daredevil, but I something about that character it just felt very psychologically dark. And it just wasn't totally up my alley. Um, that's similar to, to <laughs> yeah, similar to She-Hulk. Honestly, like when you start an episode with the joke about Captain America's sex life and you know this kind of stuff, it just it just wasn't up my alley. So you know, I know there was people who loved it and really thought it was something different. Just uh, you know, I I think some of the themes of that and everything I just didn't connect with. So um, you know, there's still Miss Marvel. There was, and honestly, it's funny because I actually watched a a lot of the Marvel shows, especially early in the year because. Um, in the wake of Spider-Man No Way Home, my wife and I were like, well, we're going to, we need to watch now Daredevil and the, the Defenders because it's obviously now kind of canon now that yeah. we've seen, you know, Charlie Cox in the movies. And so we did, and we're like, wow, these, you know, when you look at the quality of the writing in Daredevil, um, and, the, and, and even the Defenders, I think brought them all together, those characters really well. Um, it, 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 uh, it the other shows definitely pale in comparison to that. So I hope that Daredevil Born Again is going to uh, be of that caliber, um, you know, and that they're really taking time with it. And it, it appears that way from everything we're yeah. hearing about the production. I feel like it definitely, to me, it feels a little bit like we just needed less. We just needed a little bit less of Marvel. I think um, I personally didn't like the Werewolf by Night special. I didn't enjoy that at all. Mm. I love, but I love the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. <laughs> yeah. um, um, I, I like the lighter side of Marvel. Um, I like, I, you know, I like the gritty side with, with Moonlight, but I feel like we just had too much. Yeah. It was just too much in in 2022. Um, I am hoping that they space things out a little bit more. I feel like it was one of those things of you can have steak every day, but eventually you get a little bit bored of it and you want um, some lobster. Yes, absolutely. So now, let, now we've done Marvel and Star Wars. Let's move on to um, something you're much more going to be um, content that you watch on Disney Plus much more than I do, and that is um, the preschool content. Um, what's been your feel for 2020? I know Bluey just blown up, um, but what's in general your how feel right now with like Disney Plus and its preschool content? Well, they've been absolutely dominant, I think, and that's uh, you know, and there are competitors. I mean, here I am sitting on the. The Christmas tree, and there's a lot of Paw Patrol uh, back here for my uh, one-year-old and three-year-old, no question. They they still love that property. Um, but no question, Disney Plus has been really delivering. Uh, when you come, when it comes to Bluey, which I think is a very much a juggernaut, I mean, you've seen it in the ratings yeah. from Nielsen, where it's like the acquired series list top 10 will be yeah. all Netflix and Bluey, yeah. you know? <laughs> and that's that's happened, you know, on several, several weeks and, and months in a row, where that, that show just... You know, because it, it does have appeal, I think, beyond just kids. Um, you know, parents and kids watch it together. They relate to it. It's a show that celebrates play. You know, these little seven-minute episodes. So really a lot of fun if folks are not watching it. It is worth it. I think the hype, it does live up to it. Um, and, of course, they also had the, even the Bluey float and the Macy's uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade. That was a big deal here in the U.S. Um, but other, you know, preschool content, 
you do have Spidey and his amazing friends uh, that, you know, my kid and so many other kids in that. Yeah, my, my, you know, my nephews, that's one of theirs ones at the minute and watching Spidey and jumping around all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's a great intro to the to the character and uh, to the lore. And, uh, you know, there's certainly then there's literally, I think, uh, 18 or you know, other different animated spider shows that uh, you can find on Disney plus that kind of uh, generally you, you age up and get into. So it's, it's quite uh, an effective kind of branding strategy they have there. The Mickey shows, they keep, you know, the you know, Mickey mouse clubhouse is just, again, a ratings juggernaut yeah. when it comes to the top 10 list on Disney. Um, you know, they've had Mickey mouse Funhouse. They they've rolled out a lot of Mickey content, I think for kids that keeps that, that character alive for, you know, probably the five and under six and under set, yeah. but you know, he's, he's, he's a big character still. It's, it's still very much, you know, a big deal. Yeah. It's funny. It's always funny. Cause whenever I do like, cause every, every week I do a check against the trending of the U S and the UK. And it's something I do every Sunday morning. And there's always been that kind of big difference of how the U S market has so much more preschool stuff in, because in the U in the UK, you know, adults are watching Grey's Anatomy and the walking dead. And there's a very kind of different aspect to it. And there's always that kind of thing of like, you know, like, like you said, American Disney Plus has always been has still very much focused on that, whereas like internationally, it's very much shifted away. I wouldn't say it's shifted away from it because it's all still there and it's still been watching it. But now there's more variety. You're seeing different things. Whereas in the US, it's still the those shows are just that repeat value of just watching over and over and over again. There is not really those kind of shows on Disney Plus in the US to counter to counter that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And even from the launch, the start of the, of the service, they always said, well, it, it, it's not just a babysitter and we don't just have cartoons. But yeah, it, it is true that here in the U.S., they just haven't delivered. I think a lot of things we'll get into that, I'm sure, as we go further here. But, um, you know, yeah, there's just in, entire brands, entire franchises, 20th Century Studios, an entire, you know, almost 100 year library of content that they've barely tapped when it comes to especially, I think, the Dis Disney Plus US and you, uh, I guess you guys are disappearing so many titles now. Maybe it also starts to apply to you. I, I think I think that you I think a lot of it was is, is cost cutting. I think it was more the lot of the stuff that got removed is the low hanging fruit of like stuff that people aren't watching. You know, if you I almost view that they had a spreadsheet, the top, the bottom 10, just, just cut, you know, that kind of thing of like what people aren't watching. I was gonna ask you from your point of view. Um, do you think there's going to be any major change in 2023 with regards to like Hulu, or do you feel like it's just going to be the same until 2024 till they can get the contracts? Or do you think they get it early, or do you think it's going to be stalemate for another year? Really hard to predict, I think. I, I think um, Iger is going to be looking at anything he can do to make his mark. Probably they'd be wise to get that figured out sooner rather than later, you know? And if you really want to compete with Netflix, you're going to have to combine the services and just have one global you know, footprint, uh, you know, because it is, it is odd. All their, you know, a stuff that is more for mature audiences is so often is on, on Hulu still. Um, so, because I, I know uh, in a recent uh, Q&A live stream, you were talking about Only Murders in the Building, and I, which is one that I've watched. Yeah. There's a couple of others on, on Hulu that uh, have been great. So, yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, it, it, it will be interesting to see if uh, how quickly they, they solve that, that problem. Yeah. So let's now talk uh, about some of the other, what's been some of your other disappointments from 2022? Well, we've talked about Bluey and preschool dominance in a sense. And I think that an element though of that we shouldn't ignore is uh, what I would call the decline of, of Pixar and Disney animated features. And I, I know that's kind of controversial in that I have long regarded Pixar as sort of the crown jewel of, of the Disney 
you know, empire and, and kingdom. Um, I've, you know, I've been watching everything since Toy Story and, and think they've, that the way that they craft stories and the way that they tell them visually is, is amazing. And they've also switched up a lot of times how they do things. I mean, when they brought in Brad Bird and brought in some fresh energy. So I, I want them to keep evolving, but I just don't think when you look at Lightyear, I don't think it lived up to the Toy, Toy Story franchise. I think it, uh, you know, there were reasons for that story wise that just, but it, it just, you know, kind of fell flat. Everyone kind of who watched it was like, this was really Andy's favorite movie, um, you know, that made him. Yeah. Obsessed. I, there seemed to be some kind of thing really where like sci-fi animation for kids just doesn't seem to work hmm. on like box office level and just getting people in. It just doesn't seem to. And it's not just, we're not talking like, you know, Strange World, we're talking um, um, Lightyear. But even like, if you look back at Disney as a whole, they, a lot of the, the flops are sci-fi. It just seems like, they Star Wars does it great, but then everything else just doesn't seem to hit the same mark. Well, it's a fair point. I mean, Treasure Planet, of course, they lost hundreds of millions on, which is a great film, by the yeah. way, if you haven't seen it. It's an amazing movie. Um, Atlantis, and, uh, you know, is another Atlantis, one. very true. And I would even point to a Titan AE, which... Um, John uh, Disney Carter... A John I mean, Carter, sure. yeah, yeah. You know, it just it just feels like this is this general feeling of just like, like, sci-fi for families and kids just doesn't seem to connect the same way. They don't. See, I don't know it, because you say like with Pixar, because I felt like Turning Red was fantastic. I loved Turning Red. I thought it was really good, really well made. Um, I loved the whole aspects to it. Um, I, I'm a bit. I, as of yet, I've not seen Strange World because I was waiting for the Disney Plus release. So, so as mm. of time of recording, it hasn't dropped yet. But I do feel like Soul for me wasn't. I know that was a couple of years ago. That was I didn't enjoy that one as much. But for me, like Turning Red was like a really good film, and Lightyear was just like uh, it just didn't. It, I enjoyed it, but it didn't like it didn't. It's very I, vanilla. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. It just like it was okay. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't think, have any major problems with it, but it wasn't amazing. I've loved the other three uh, Disney Plus original Pixar films that have come out, which would be Soul, um, Onward. Well, I guess Onward, you know, that sort of was yeah. released theatrically very briefly before it hit Disney Plus, and Luca. All all those have been great. And actually, by the way, Doug Days as well, series of shorts that Pixar did, just excellent. You know, people should absolutely look uh, check that out. Um, Turning Red, I I would have just a complicated you know review of because. I think as a film, it is funny in many ways. And also even stylistically, it does take Pixar in a new direction. I appreciate that. It was a little bit more like almost um, the uh, the Mitchells versus the machines in some of the the things they were doing with some hand-drawn aspects and, uh, you know, the showing the emotion of the characters. It, was, it wasn't just the, the kind of pristine Pixar look. Yeah. It was something different. And I appreciate that. Um, and I also enjoyed watching it with my wife, who is, uh, you know, grew up in that same era, right yeah. post 9-11. And she had kind of the whole, you know, I guess it was all about kind of the boy band obsession. And, you know, it was a lot, it was that kind of middle school years. And it was very fun to watch it with her because it was her like her reliving it and kind of cringing like, oh man, middle school, you know. But uh, I would say that from a, you know, from a, a standpoint of what kids draw from it and the takeaways, it, it is a bit confusing. Um, I, I think that the aspect of the panda you know, representing the, 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 you know, the yeah. uh, aspect of sexuality and different things and how that plays out in the story. I, I think that some of it was a little confusing and I don't think you're actually maybe helping people yeah. who are like the girls who are 11, 12, 13 
navigate that with this sort yeah. of story. But was, I, for, I mean, for me, yeah, it was a, to me the whole last the, the 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 subcontext of it being about having a period. So I I kind of looked at it the other, other way of like it was so nice to have something engage with it, do it in a in a way that if you're quite young or don't even notice it, you could flip past it and you wouldn't even know what it was. And that was an aspect to it. But I also feel like, you know, obviously girls and stuff, they, you know, they get it early and boys need to learn it. I, I actually, I thought that they, the way that they handled it worked so well um, in just giving that little bit of, not going into too much detail, but just giving it more of a metaphor. And I, and, but as adults, we were seeing that, whereas I think kids probably didn't even, it was just, she turned into a big panda and has a big fight with her mum. Well, I'm I'm not going to necessarily mansplain uh, turning red <laughs> and my problems with it. I I will let uh, a female reviewer do that, but I I think that there are aspects of it that are confusing uh, when it comes down to it story wise. But you know, overall, I I don't want to dismiss Pixar. I think they can still do great things, and I think that, for instance, I think next year we're still going to see their uh, what's called the win or lose you know yeah. series that is uh, coming out supposedly in fall. But uh, apparently a series of half hour episodes dealing with a baseball team where each of the stories is told from a different point of view, um, almost like the movie Vantage Point or something. And so I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think that sounds like a, a great concept for them. Um, and I, I but I'm just I do think that uh, there's an aspect of both Pixar and Disney animation where it's getting a little, you know, I don't know, just uh, too cookie cutter a little bit. I mean, the, for instance, the Bay, Baymax series, I don't think that connected and, and didn't do as well as it could have um elemental that's on the on the slate from pixar it just looks so much like inside out that yeah. it just uh it does kind of uh you know make me wonder if if that's going to be how original yeah. that concept be. I'm, I'm much more looking forward to wish which looks a little bit more interesting i feel as well and i don't know if like how i feel like with families and stuff and you're probably much more aware of this than i am but the whole concept of just going to the cinema with kids it's just something the cost and the, the way of doing it, they're just not going the same way that they used to years ago. And that's having a massive impact because it's not just Disney. I mean, you're looking at other than minions and I kind of put some of that down to um, the teenagers going dressed as um, grew kind of, there's that thing you're like, I just don't know if families are going in the same numbers that they used to. Well, I think that's an, that's a fair point. And uh, I'll, I think there are, uh, multiple reasons for that sometimes. I mean, I was going to make Lightyear the first opportunity to, for my kid to go to the theater, but I think there were, you know, story aspects and thematic aspects of that that I, I just don't think I was totally comfortable with. So, yeah. you know, I think that um, there's an aspect of where when you start to introduce themes uh, to, to young, young children, you know, that you're like, as a parent, you would rather be the ones to introduce that to. It can it can sometimes play against you, I think, uh, as, a, as a studio and as a service. So I think Disney needs to be thinking that through, even if they want to do a lot of mature things on Hulu and in, in stories like Andor, um, you know, that's great. I, I just think you got to be aware. Um, sometimes when you're dealing with, with sensitive subjects to very, very young audiences, you, you know, you may be turning off some of your audience. So yeah, it's a bit, it's a, it's a catch 22. It's that kind of situation where they, they, I feel like they can't ignore it and they can't go. It's like too much. It's a very, it's a balancing act and they've got to try and get that, right for everyone because you know they're selling these shows to the whole world and so they've got to kind of get that balancing right act right um and it's again i think some of it just comes down to story because i feel like with lightyear the hope there's a hope there's some hope problems with that film um regardless of not just one problem there was like seven or eight problems with that film. and i feel strange world 
kind of fell into that because even now i got no idea what that movie's about <laughs> from the trailer and it's like you know that was just bad advertising and i feel like there's there's lots of different levels of what went wrong with them but hopefully you know next year you know we, we'll kind of push on from there um but whatever um was well has also been one of your other highlights of 2022 well we when you think about the surprises of disney plus and what they are really strong at no question their documentary slate is is remarkable um, and that's certainly on the National Geographic side. They are rolling out a ton of titles there. And if you're not watching Nat Geo, I think you're really missing out on some of the depth of Disney Plus and what it has. Because, I mean, it is, in, in many ways, it, it has become, in a sense, Nat Geo Plus in, in some cases. And that's, you know, yeah. I, I'll, I'll be the first <laughs> to criticize that because I want to see more Disney Library, more 20th Century Studios Library, a lot more actual dramatic and, you know, uh, comedy content uh, out that they put out. You know, so, but if we're talking about a strength... Um, some of the best stuff I have seen uh, this year has been documentaries on Disney Plus. Uh, the Rescue is, you know, kind of a very fact-based look at the Thai cave rescue that came out and uh, really in-depth. And if you saw, Love by the way, what you should see, um, you know, uh, Ron Howard's 13 Lives that was on out on Prime Video. Um, this is a perfect complement to that. It tells aspects of the story that are not present on in 13 Lives. And so the rescue is just amazing, you know, an absolute must see documentary. I would say the same thing about uh, Fire of Love, um, you know, the volcano uh, couple, they're vol volcanologists um, and follows their uh, kind of decades of uh, working together and, you know, showing you, you're, you're, I think when we talk about big special effects movies, you know, we're always wanting to know, well, show us something we've never seen before. Give us visuals. And this is a documentary where you will see things you've never seen before in terms of the kind of up close uh, footage they get with with documentary with uh, with the volcanoes, um, you know they're going around the world into various African nations, European, Asian, etc., uh, South American to you know encounter these as they're as they're going off. Uh, and so this is you know it's a very uh, you know interesting documentary because it tries to tell a little bit of their love story, even though they're like very private individuals, and it so there's not a whole lot of them on on camera or talking about their relationship, but. Um, it's a fascinating film. You get amazing visuals. Um, and also there's other documentaries I would say as well. The, um, you know, I love that, that Disney keeps doing the star Wars documentaries and Marvel, giving you a little bit of behind the scenes of each of those shows. I think that's a great feature that every, you know, streaming service should be doing. Um, but the, uh, the documentary, for instance, with Ewan McGregor talking about Obi-Wan uh, Kenobi and giving you some of the insights behind that and some of the stuff with him and Hayden reuniting, Great, great film. A uh, really fun to watch that, and uh, I loved their um, Mickey. You know, their Mickey Mouse documentary, Mickey: The yeah, Story of a Mouse. That was I just like that. that was great. That was you know some great history, some great archive stuff, some recent thoughts on the meaning of the character, and even some criticism of uh, some different aspects of history. There, I, it's always important when Disney doesn't just give us PR, but actually can give us uh, a little bit more depth. And I, they probably could have gone further there with Crit, but. Um, you know, uh, also on the music side, they're doing great. You know, I mean, uh, Adina Menzel just came out. I haven't seen that yet, but I mean, there's, um, you know, they're doing, I guess, a big one on Elton John there. They've done a yeah. lot of these uh, music films and and uh, the Abbey Road Studios one, I hear, is getting great buzz. Uh, yeah, well, unfor unfortunately, both the Adina Menzel and If These Wolves Could Sing or, or whatever one that was, they got delayed till January for us internationally for some hmm. bizarre reason. So I don't know. So I obviously haven't seen them yet. Oh. But uh, there's a whole other aspect to the documentary stuff that um, Hulu or sort of ABC News Studios um, they have been churning out like documentary after documentary, like nearly weekly every a couple of weeks. And we get them over here pretty much as like star originals as Disney Plus stuff. 
and it's amazing the amount of st- and some of the topics i mean i've not I, there's a, I, I mean i don't watch all of them because there's that many of them there mm. but they really all over the place in terms of what stories they're pulling in from and i feel like you know between that geo abc studios and disney um original documentary teams you know you've got uh, like so many different teams now making different stuff and it's really and i feel like i would say like disney plus in the us feels like the the documentaries where they can play a little bit safer on doing the more mature stuff we've seen it this past month with like retrograde the territory flag makers you know they they it feels like the documentaries are a little bit more willing to kind of go that little bit more edgier yeah i really want to see retrograde that looks excellent i mean that's you know such a critical um you know moment of the whole pull out from afghanistan that occurred and i think just from a geopolitical standpoint you know those are events that we all should understand and uh, i have several siblings who are you know connected to the military etc so um yeah that'll be uh I, I think they they absolutely should go deeper into that of course they're trying here in the u.s to uh keep propping up hulu and uh keep that alive uh, in the documentary space and so we do have a lot of you know yeah a lot of those abc news ones of course all land there yeah. and uh so it's it can be a little confusing to navigate if you're wanting to see a documentary you have to kind of go to, to both services and you know, sort through them. Um, honestly, I, I I will say too in this in this point that the user interface is just something they need to really refresh. You know, I think that the the, the discovery aspect of finding a title on on Disney Plus and making sure that the related titles are surfacing well, it just isn't happening right now. And um, you know, there's yeah, so it it, it does make for a very static uh, you know a thing. Sometimes. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is the thing. I mean. You know, I talk about this all the time. You know, Disney Plus really hasn't changed much in terms of how it looks in a couple of years now. And we are at a point where, especially in, it's before it can get sorted in the US, they have got to sort this thing out. Because again, it's just a hodgepodge of, of titles because so much stuff is all blended in together. It, it can be quite difficult to um, find stuff. So I am hoping if they're going to, before they can, I feel like they have to fix that bef- before they start sorting out what they're doing with Hulu because it, they've got to do it either before or sometime to get it ready for that. Because you know our you know we, our feedback to that is you know we, they can see what's going on with it, but it's that's definitely yeah. an issue that I feel they need to move on to. Now I know it's we're going to do. And here's the thing too: is I think I I would have zero confidence in that happening under under Bob Chapek, <laughs> but I think under Bob Iger, I actually think it could happen. You know, I think he actually can recognize a problem. And realize we need to make real investment here to to get this right because i mean things like netflix where they um you know play the trailer in in the hero as you're as you're seeing it for the first time um other aspects of of the netflix discovery engine which is the you know market leader for a reason um you know uh, they need to be implementing some of those same features on disney plus yeah, and I just feel like i, I think it doesn't help with them having so many different apps so many di- the teams are spread too thin on too many different platforms and so some, some consolidation hopefully fix that all now obviously for our last one um we wanted to leave this one last because i knew this was this is this is one of your favorite things um and something that we've i feel like we've been talking about for like four years since we started um <laughs> it's just and this last year 2022 library content and classic content boy did they <laughs> I wouldn't say they fumbled the ball. They never got on the pitch. And that's a sports mm. reference. I'm, doing, I'm throwing a sports reference in here. That's how bad it was. Um, <laughs> and I tell them in American football, yeah, they didn't even get on the field. They stayed in the locker room because they didn't do anything. 
Yeah, it's so true. I, I will say uh, from the U.S. standpoint that I'm going to give them a very brief praise here, which is to say in September they rolled out, uh, you know, Bear in the Big Blue House and Zorro same month. I was impressed with that. Or maybe it was October. Um, <laughs> two titles. <laughs> yeah, two titles. And, those, that, you know, to their credit, I mean, goodness, Bear in the Big Blue House is five seasons. Zorro is 78 episodes. So and they are all, all unedited. They look great. Folks who haven't seen that, you know, and by the way, you should because Disney watches, you know, what you're what you're watching and uh, they're going to be able to learn from that. There was also some things in February that was um, <laughs> that were the Black History Month stuff. So they did yeah. they did Blackish and they did a few other uh, library shows that are more ABC recent ones. They also rolled out Orville to their credit. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, I think worldwide. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to kind of put that I'm going to kind of cut that into two because I feel like we're, we're going to split this one into general entertainment. And then we'll talk about little the con. So we'll do the we'll do the general entertainment stuff in a bit. But okay. in terms of um legacy, like, sure. Yeah, legacy content. Sure, sure. Yeah, just, that has just, been a real miss. It's been an incredible miss. And I'm yeah. um I'm about to roll out an article that you, that uh, we're working on that's uh you know 23 uh, films and shows that are marking big anniversaries in 2023. Um, and so this is a key opportunity because with both Bear and with Zorro, they they timed it to an anniversary. And so I think it was the uh, 25th for Bear. It was the 65th, I think, with with Zorro. And so uh, they, you know, they they came out right at the same time as those big anniversaries were happening. Yeah. Same with also, this. There's, I mean, there's also a big one, the big 100th. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so for for the hundredth, this is this is the big opportunity. I'm I'm just there's not probably going to be another opportunity that will be bigger than this for Disney. Hundred years of wonder or whatever as they're rolling out. I know they're going to do some specials and that things are happening in the parks at Disneyland and Disney World, and that's fine. Um, but you can't just hype it. You can't just kind of have a nice commercial and a, and a montage that shows you 100 years of stuff. You have to actually release your titles. And uh, they're just, from every brand, every era of Disney, they're, they're missing stuff. And so, you know, I could... I, think, I mean, just... I know like we've counted up. Like, it's probably close to between 800 to 1,000. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be like... Let's add movie from 1962 that three people went and saw. It might not necessarily be a big hit, but there's that kind of thing of like you could put there's some there's some stuff there that people have heard of. You know, Condor. There's a whole whole you know, Angels in the Field. You know, all these kind of classic films. If you could just put a couple on a, a week during the during the hundredth and just catch up. If you've got it available on another platform, if you've got it enabled on YouTube or some of that, just start you. I just it feels like the hundredth anniversary just feels like the natural way of filling it up. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't do it more during the pandemic when they didn't have new content. They just, just, it just feels like the budget cuts just went right now. It's not, we're not spending on it. And that was the yeah. end of it. It's so true. And I think, yeah, you could, you know, look at this content in so many different ways and slice it in many different ways. I think what you're saying about basically maybe there's eight or 900 titles that are really, really, I think recent of reasonable quality. And of those, probably at least 250 or 300 are available on other platforms like iTunes and like YouTube. And mm -hmm. so they should be rolling those out. They're just doing it for, for cost reasons. But if you want to look at it in the sense of genres, um, for instance, musicals, you know, they, they've done a TV version of The Music Man, you know, that is getting a lot of buzz right now uh, that, you know, is out on Broadway again here in the U.S. Um, you know, the old Rodgers and Hammerstein movies, you know, they've, they've put out uh, Sound of Music. Uh, but that's really of that entire, you know, franchise. They could be doing King and I and, and South Pacific and, you know, a whole realm of, of Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals yeah. that are, they've distributed through 20th Century Studios. I'm sure that there's some music licensing involved there. 
but you've just you you got to pony up and and say, well, our, yeah. our audience is worth it. Because you kind of got like the Disney, like the Disney classic Disney movies. You've also there's also a big chunk of TV from I mean, like the classic Disneyland show, like the 50s, but also got a lot of like modern shows like The House of Mouse, um, like newer stuff as well that you know another generation is kind of missing. But I look as well, 20th century, they really haven't dived into the vault. I mean. You know, like, oh, well, aliens and like, well, aliens was the 70s. It's, you know, you had like, there's, there's, there's hardly anything from those early years. Uh, you know, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, know, exactly. Kind of stuff, which, yeah, you've, and they've already got on Disney Plus internationally. So it's kind of, again, it, I don't know if, again, it comes down to this Hulu issue and the, the, the branding of it all, but it just feels like the 100th anniversary, something every week, something every week, classic. Um, and also, well, because I know a lot of Americans sometimes park on for they're like, like they'll say, you know, like, well, you've well, got all this stuff, yeah, but we're not getting the old stuff anymore. Like, if you look on the Canada list for this latest for January, there's there's like one old film, you know, and there's you know, we internationally, if the US doesn't get it, the rest of the world isn't getting it. So that's the problem with some of these like titles that um, are coming in. Yeah, in March, Planet of the Apes, the first one in '68. Uh you know marks its 55th anniversary i think it's a perfect opportunity for them to hopefully roll out that entire uh you know classic franchise out to disney plus um you know there there's uh and i think that this idea of sci-fi and what i would call you know, wide appeal sci-fi um is is absolutely a category that they should own in a big way they're, they're obviously bringing on doctor who uh, which is great in uh i think in next year or perhaps it will still be 2024 but um, yeah, that's filming now, obviously, uh, 2023, uh, November it comes. Okay. Out, the well, there you go. Scenes, it's, yeah. and, uh, I think with, with star Wars and with what they've done in some of the Marvel films that are also kind of sci-fi, this is a category they should own. And another way they could do that is not just planet of the apes, but also by the way, the X-Files, um, yeah. you know, so September of next year, it marks its 30th anniversary that it came out in 93. So another great opportunity for them to, you know, to, to really, uh, bulk up that that sci-fi content uh there's just there's so much there that they could be doing um the muppets as well i can't uh you know miss the opportunity to mention that that uh you know there is obviously a jim henson you know biopic that they're working on and uh you know they're they like to to say that you know they did the muppet christmas carol you know where we've marked the 30th anniversary or whatever with uh with this one coming out this uh you know uh extent anniversary that uh, un the uncut unedited film you know that brings that song back and all that that's great and they even celebrated them at, at d23 well you know you've got so much in the vault from from muppets um you know that is amazing stuff that is you know classic specials that are uh, the muppets tonight tv show that that was out in the 90s um you know but stuff that's you know even back to late 60s with jim henson um yeah. You know, Hey Cinderella and the Frog Prince and some of these uh, fairy tale specials that they they did with Jim, with Frank Oz, with all the original crew. And uh, they they're, you know, in the world of puppetry and and, and that they are groundbreaking and, and regarded as like must see films and they're not available anywhere. Um, it's all the Muppet, you know, it's all Kermit, Miss Piggy and all the, the crew yeah. that they had doing that. So it's it just makes no sense that they're not rolling that out. I appreciate that they put the Muppet show out 
And that's a it's a great uh, franchise. Uh, by the way, speaking of user interface, that should be improved. That's another great one that needs a little bit little bit of a refresh. Yeah, I, I feel like this this is the I think the problem is as well as is you know they got to put stuff on there that's going to be watched. Isn't it? I mean, we definitely feels like we're in that zone now where they're looking, at, and it's not just Disney. We're looking at all of them. They're all looking at going. Yeah, you're just not, you know, it's costing us more than it's on there. And I get that with, you know, some random old films and stuff and old series. But shifting over to, like, the general entertainment side, um, it feels like this is something that, especially in the U.S., um, it's uh, the whole problem with, like, Hulu and, this, like, 2022 as a whole was, like, you know, we had, like, La Victor, we had Blackish, Grownish, um, The Wonder Years, um, The Orville, you know, that was great to see that one get put on there. And they put like a random week where they put like Alias and La Finder out or something. And it's like, you know, you could literally count on one on your two hands the shows they put on there. You know, there's no what I would call like ABC family, you know, like some prop, you know, they could put like Futurama or um, there's a whole host of like sitcoms. Not, yeah. I, you know, I understand the thing of like, okay, you maybe don't want to put Pam and Tommy and Welcome to Chippendales on there in the US. I can, I can see why that might be an issue to begin with. Maybe you could put on, you know, Modern Family or, you know, uh, How I Met Your Mother or something and just kind of start getting people, you know, with the, with the you know, the PG-13, some of the PG-13 films and stuff and, and start using that as a way of building up, up to putting on, you know, the, the, the FX stuff. Yeah, home improvement, of course. I mean, they're they've they've uh, bought in now to a second season of Santa Clauses, which I I don't know where that's going to go, but uh, you know, <laughs> but I'm I I do want. I mean, so I hope that that would inspire them to say, well, let's get Tim Allen's, you know, the, the most popular show in the world that was going in the early '90s. Let's maybe think about putting that out on Disney Plus. And I know that there were some rights issues they were working through with that, but um, Scrubs as well. Another just, yeah. you know, another little bit more mature than, like you say, some of the stuff you see on Disney Plus, but it is a very funny and very well done show, you know, from, you know, the creator of Ted Lasso that gets so yeah. much uh, buzz and excitement right now. So you're, you're missing out on an opportunity if you don't roll out some of these comedies, even on the drama side, um, Disney did do a number of big films in the 90s, um, you know, Swing Kids with Christian Bale, that is kind of a World War II era show. Uh, I'd rather film uh, Armageddon. Uh, with yeah, Jerry that Bruckheim. was, <laughs> yeah, that was it, it's, it's it's celebrating its 25th anniversary on in July um, of, it, of next it year. Just, it just feels like okay. So we know, you know, even if we say like we know you can't do much until Hulu sorted, and we know you have to still keep sending stuff to, but they could be sending the international originals onto there to kind of boost that up. Um, and in some ways, they wouldn't grab the same attention because of being international ones. Using some of those PG thirteen films from Touchstone Pictures and Hol and some of the big titles and, and just share them, share them with Hulu and stuff. It just feels like, again, was it just down to budget? Where they just decide? They just because looking at the January list, it very much feels like we've got like no budget <laughs> for, mm. for putting stuff on there, and that's how it feels. It just feels like they're gone. We were losing so much money on streaming, we can't put anything on there anymore, <laughs> and that's kind of how it felt. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that the new regime, obviously Iger's back and Alyssa Bowen, the current president of Disney Plus, is is actually thinking about legacy content and realizing that there are a variety of audiences you're trying to serve. You you should be thinking a lot more broadly about types of titles you can put out, not just the preschool stuff, not just the Nat Geo documentaries. For instance, um, extremely highly acclaimed film, um, Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. Yeah. Um, Russell Crowe, that, that, uh, that's a 20th Century Studios film, celebrates its 20th anniversary in November of next year. 
you know, they need to be rolling these out. They need to be thinking this through of, you know, what can we put out and all, and just so much of the classic Walt stuff, like those of us who, who know this, the history a little bit. So obviously Walt passed away in 1966. Um, those early decades uh, that he was involved and, and was doing a variety of different genres, a variety of different types of content for the, for the studio. Um, so much of that remains in the vault, you know, so I could mention Miracle of the White Stallions celebrating its 60th anniversary in March. Um, his film with uh, Polly, with um, Haley Mills, uh, uh, Summer Magic, uh, celebrating its 60th anniversary um, in, in July. So, you know, uh, this list, it's the 23 kind of Disney ones celebrating their anniversaries. It's I, I know by the time this is out, it'll be uh, folks will be able to check this out. So these are all quality titles. You know, it's, this is not this is not, um, you know, throwaway stuff. I know that there were some bad TV films made in the 70s, especially that really probably shouldn't see the light of day. Um, you know, the boy who talks to badgers that they put out. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there are plenty of great things, even from the eighties and nineties that are just missing. And it's, it is just kind of yeah. inexplicable that they are not even thinking about them. I mean, um, yeah, the nine lies of El Fago, El Fago Baca is a great serial, uh, that's celebrating its 65th year anniversary, similar perhaps to Zorro, but it's, he's a, he's a lawyer, um, who's also kind of a, you know, a vigilante at night. Um, it's, it's a really interesting story that, uh, you know, what came out in 1958 was part of the Disneyland series, the anthology, and uh, just hasn't been seen except in that those Walt Disney Treasures uh, DVDs that were done, um, you know, in, in really by hardly anyone. So there's a lot they should be doing for the 100th. You know, let's actually show that we do, a rec you know, have a memory of, you know, so many of the great titles and uh, of the, the diversity of different genres and uh, of different things that, that could be put out, um, you know, for yeah. 100 years of wonder. It's that kind of weird thing, like that, you know, they got there is a balancing act with all this, and you know, they've got a, they've got a, you know, they got a. To me, it's at that point now where they're having to look at trying to keep, you know, preschool kids happy, younger kids happy. You've got teenagers because I feel like teenagers are really just like lacking, you know, the because I always kind of weird this that weird thing of like teenagers generally like something a little bit more, you know, with a little bit more of a kick to it, a little bit more bite to it, but they're still kids, you know, it's still that kind of weird thing of like a fourteen-year-old still. Once, you know, and a 15 year old is to me, it's that thing I like, well, you know, getting some of those big shows from like, like all the freeform stuff. There was like that, you know, a little bit more edgy, but put some of this stuff on there to kind of, to kind of, and the sitcoms and stuff to kind of really appeal to that audience a little bit more. Because I think trying to create, create content for teenagers doesn't work because the teenagers want to watch what adults are watching and the tweens, you know, the younger ones. Because sometimes you know you watch the stuff that go. This is aimed at sixteen, you know, teenagers. And go, these are teenagers acting like they're twelve. They're mm -hmm. not acting like they're eight, you know. And also, there's that big difference as well of a teenager like here in the UK, <laughs> you know, has, has a very different lifetime of you know, like how the you know. I mean, sometimes I'm watching these in like um, American high school stuff, and you go. That kid looks about twenty nine, <laughs> and he's got yeah. you know, and he's got he's got a brand new Mercedes Benz, and his friends just turned up in a brand new BMW out with a Gucci bag, and they're like, right, okay, we're gonna like this is so far away from life. It's just like this just does not represent real life. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes they do dismiss some of the you know TV films that were done in the nineties that do have a bit of a cult following. You know, I mean, I think yeah. when that Cinderella film dropped with Whitney Houston and Brandy you know, uh, last year, that was a big deal, um, you know, for people like, and, and I, maybe sometimes the teens and 
they, maybe they follow some of the nostalgia that the 30 somethings and all that feel for some of these these titles. I mean, there's some titles like, for instance, My Date with the President's Daughter. I, I see that come up continually on yeah. on Twitter and other places. Um, there's just, you know, there are certain t uh, yeah. TV films that they should be putting out that have that kind of buzz behind them. Well, you're almost essentially now, though, that's like, you're trying to get the nostalgia of the parents of today's kids. That's what you're trying, you know, rather than, you know, and in some ways, like, it's the nostalgia of our age group is what, and a little bit younger, because I feel sometimes, like, I feel like as an 80s kid, I feel like actually Disney Plus is all right for me. You know, it's got a lot of my shows, a lot of, but the 90s kids are missing a lot more stuff. And I don't know if that's a lot of it's like music licenses and other issues, but I think just generally 2022 has been a very mixed year. Library content has been lacking. Mm -hmm. The original content has been pretty good. I feel like the we're, 2022 was probably, and especially internationally. I mean, the amount of stuff that we've had this year has been incredible. But yeah, just as a whole, 2022 has been a good year, but I can see why in the US the view is a lot less um, positive. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I put out my three things that I thought they were really strong on the three surprises. And it was Star Wars content, preschool content, because I happen to have two toddlers and uh, the documentary slate. And that's, yeah. you know, it's not saying a lot. You, you There's a whole aspect of comedies there and of dramas and, you know, just stories you're not at waltz used to be amazing at. And that, by the way, you have in your vault and you have available to you that you could be rolling out on a weekly basis. So it's kind um, of funny because like in the last couple of weeks, you know, we've been talking to James about like our favorite films and favorites. And, you know, my favorite series were primarily dominated by what would have said to be in the U S Hulu originals and FX shows, because hmm. you know we've had some amazing like drama series been dropping and, you know, it has like in some ways like Disney plus this year has just been incredible with the amount of stuff that's been dropping on a week to week basis that it's sometimes a little bit like, you know, sometimes it's been like, Oh wow. They're they're dropping like 10 to 15 series a week. And you can kind of look at it and go, we don't need Marvel and star Wars so much when you've got all of this other stuff dropping in, you know, if you've got, I think in one week we had like family guy Simpsons, like, uh, 911 New York um, American Horror Story. We then had like The Old Man. We had, you know, we had, there was probably close like 911, Grey's Anatomy, Station 19, all this. And there's like kind of looking at it going, yeah, we didn't really need a new episode of Star Wars this week. There was 10 to 12 series for adults. You didn't. And that's where I feel moving forward, they could probably do some cost cutting when they realize how much they're putting out across all their platforms. But because it's all in different piles, everyone goes, oh, there's not a lot over there. Well, if you put them all in one big pile, you then go, wow, that's a lot. It's a fair point. Yeah, in the US, you don't sense that with Disney Plus, that there's too much ever. And although yeah. October and November, I think were strong. And so I, I do want to praise them for that, that I think they they actually thought creatively about their, um, you know, some of their legacy titles, again, with Bear in the Big Blue House and Zorro, which were great. And also there were a couple of uh, Spider-Man animated shows that dropped that uh, showed that the Sony deal is actually coming into play. And that's really interesting to me. I think uh, there are other franchises that could very much benefit from that. I don't know why we haven't seen the outstanding uh, Muppet films. There are about, you know, three of them, including Muppets Take Manhattan that are Sony uh, distributed and, you know, should be showing up, I would hope, yeah. on Disney we'll Plus to 
to complete the franchise. Even like all the Spider-Man films, because we were all getting them internationally, and then you got like like Jumanji and the Ghost. You know, Disney announced that deal like eighteen months ago, and it still hasn't really come to anything. Um, yeah, but yeah, so it's going to be for sure. no. It's definitely going to be interesting as we move on. But let us know what your highlights of twenty twenty two were. Um, thanks again for just for joining me this week. We'll be next week with another um weekly Q and A, and also with um, our podcast plus other news videos but on that note guys thank you very much for joining us and we shall see you guys soon laters thank you very much for watching this video make sure you go check us out over at whatsondisneyplus.com like follow and subscribe also a huge thank you to all of our supporters over on patreon and also on our youtube channel memberships and i shall see you guys in another video laters